I got to the end of the summer. I had no intentions of sticking around with the company. It was kind of like a wham, bam thing, do the internship junior year, get my, my, my next engineering internship. And, you know, nobody, again, it's kind of funny, Sean, nobody was talking to me about coming back. And so I wasn't thinking about coming back. And all of a sudden I started looking into some other internships. I'm like, Hmm, this was hard, but like, I actually did stuff. This stuff doesn't sound like doing stuff. And so I called up Taylor and said, uh, Hey Taylor, uh, can you tell me about this DM thing? And so I, he took me out to sushi in Barrington and we, uh, I go, sweet. So it sounds like, you know, being a district manager, at least for me was I get to do a bunch of the stuff I liked doing like managing people and organization and project management and a little bit of sales. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. On today's episode of the show, I've got Tom Ackman owner of Platinum Decking in Chicago, Illinois. Tom grew up in the Chicago area, attended the University of Illinois studying engineering, and we'll talk about his journey from engineering to business and how he defines excellence. Welcome to the show, Tom. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm pumped to talk to you today. We go way back, but we got to start with the classic question. We start with every episode on the Edge of Excellence podcast, and that's what is your definition of excellence? Oh, man. You know, at the end of the day, uh, it's a really, really tough one to define. But I, I, to me, it goes back to being a master at what you do. Um, and you know, the, the idea of... Um, you know, mastery, 10,000 hours of something gets you, gets you in the ballpark. Right. And, and I, I think at the end of the day, excellence is, you know, having practiced and been so familiar with something that what you do naturally seems excellent to other people. I almost think that if you think it's excellence, it probably isn't. And it's when other people start saying, wow, this is something that you're excellent at. I think that's when you've actually reached a level of excellence. Cool. So you're a Bears fan. You know the Walter Payton quote? I am a little bit of a Bears fan. It's tough to be a Bears fan these days. It but, is, um, yeah. So all their best. I do not know the quote. No. Share it with me. It's when you're good at something, you'll tell everyone. When you're great at something, they'll tell you. Okay. So I guess you're comparing me to Walter Payton. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so why is that your definition of excellence? Why is it you can't see it? Other people see it in you, but you can't see it yourself. You know, it, you know, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, my experience in the college works journey and, and all of that. But, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, so many times and I still feel like I have so much to learn, but it's like so many times along the way, uh, I thought I had it all figured out and I'm not saying things weren't good, but you don't realize till later that, uh, that you didn't have it all figured out. And it doesn't mean you were failing miserably. That's not what I mean. You know, it's not like excellence versus failure. You know, there's obviously a, a big, big thing in between, but 
you know, it, it, it's almost, at least for me, you know, it's almost when I, I, I stopped thinking that, uh, I had it all figured out that I started to, things started to actually go better. And, you know, it, it, there was a level of humility that, that came with it where, you know, I started, you know, realizing that things just started going much better. And so I, I don't know, I, I think some of it's a natural progression, maturity in business, maturity in, in entrepreneurship where, you know, you know, you hear it all the time, but it, it practice makes perfect. You got to make those mistakes. And, you know, you, you don't realize when you're making them that they're the most valuable things you can possibly be doing. So you sounds like are hard on yourself. You think, oh, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. And then somebody comes along and goes, wow, you're really good at this. Like, I thought I was failing a lot. You know, it's funny. I, I yes and no. Um, I didn't think that way when I was 19, 20 and 21. Right. I mean, Sean, you knew me. Right. Um, I thought I had it all figured out. Um, but it was, yeah, more more when I, I really got into it that uh, it felt it felt like the light wasn't at the end of the tunnel so many times. And, and these days, you know, it, it, it just blows my mind that, you know, I thought I had it figured out in years one through three and we're, you know, 15 years into entrepreneurship, um, you know, actually running my own business. And it's like these days where, where it actually starts to run a little smoother, where, you know, you don't, you're not waking up going, what failures to your point do I have to deal with today? You know? All right. Love it. So you talked about when you were 19, 20, 21, and we like to kind of hear about that. Want to hear about high school, college, like what was your early life like? And uh, what did you think you wanted to be back in high school? Uh, I think at some point you were like a JV all-star in hockey, if I remember correctly. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the JV uh, all-star podcast. We'll do that one next week, but yeah, the, uh, no, you know, I, uh, my, my dad and grandfather were both engineers, ended up more on the, the technical side of, of uh, business, um, but definitely more technical. High school didn't work a lot, to tell you the truth. St- studies, you know, education was something I took pretty seriously. And uh, sports, I was a three-sport athlete playing hockey, lacrosse, and soccer. So, you know, I caddied, I raft, I did some, you know, babysitting, but you know, for some people who, you know, really worked a job going up to college, that wasn't, that wasn't me, not because I didn't want to, not because I avoided, I just didn't have time with, with hockey seven days a week and doing well in school. So I went down to university of Illinois. Um, I was majoring in industrial enterprise systems engineering. And the goal was to really play out the tech side, the engineering side, and then uh, couple it with a master's in business. That way I kind of had the best of both worlds. And, um, got, got involved in classes and I did an engineering internship and I actually hated it. That's a, that's a whole nother story, but, you know, realized I need to never sit in a cubicle ever again. And, uh, my, uh, the funny thing about college works is, uh, my roommate freshman year came home and, uh, he's like, I got the internship and I'm like, what, what the hell are you talking about, man? He's like, yeah, I got this internship where I run my own business. I probably shouldn't be getting hired. You should be. And I'm like, tell me more. And it was a little late in the year and I had planned a couple. I had some stuff already lined up with my family. So I, he tried to refer me to the program and I didn't get a chance to do it that year. Um, ended up doing you know a bunch of stuff and got back to campus that year. And um, I don't even know if you know this, Sean, but uh, I really wanted to do college works. I wanted to do it so bad and I couldn't find anybody who had done it. 
Nobody was talking in my classes. Nobody was referring me. Nobody was calling me every nine minutes. And so I called the corporate number and say, hey, my name's Tom Ackman. Me and my buddy Jordan Pringle, he's sitting here. We both want to do college works. Can somebody call me back? And guess what happened, Sean? No one called you, I'm guessing. I never got a call. Never got a call. So I found one of my fraternity brothers. And I'm like, dude, you got to give me the number of somebody at that company because I really want to do that. And so my buddy, Joel Grashen, he gave me Everett Summers number and I called and left this voicemail. And as you can imagine, being a recruiter at CollegeWorks, hey, um, this is Tom Ackman and Jordan Pringle. We both want to do CollegeWorks. Please call us as soon as you can. That was a DM at the time. Getting <laughs> What a day for that, that recruiter. Yeah. So, you know, there was part of me that was worried about, you know, would I actually make any money? Do you actually get to run a business? But the one thing I'd ask my buddy, Joel Grashen, I said, you know, I did this engineering internship. I basically made copies and did the standard stuff. I glued stuff together at a warehouse. Do you actually get to do this? Like, do you actually get to run your own business? Do you get to manage people? Is this stuff that actually is a part of the program? And he's like, yeah, that's what I was excited about. A lot of people are like, I need to make the money. I want to go to Cancun. I want to have fun. I really wanted to do stuff. I wanted to actually get a chance to see what running a business was like managing people. Um, so I, and, I always said when candidates ask, you know, do I have to, do I have to hire people? Do I have to talk to customers? Do I have to make financial decisions? And I asked all those same questions, but I replaced the word have to with the phrase get to, do I get to do this? Do I get to do this? Do I get to do this? Well, if I get to do all those things, then that sounds like something I want to try. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. So that was, that was a little bit of my journey. You know, at the time, just to backtrack a little bit, I was in a fraternity um, I bartended on campus because you only had to be 19 to bartend at U of I. Um, I was University of Illinois Mo uh, Monster Energy Drink rep, so I got paid to throw promo parties for Monster. Um, I started a little t-shirt company selling funny t-shirts to uh, people on campuses. And uh, so I was, I was busy and ended up doing the program. I had a lot of challenges, um, some successes. Nothing, nothing, you know, blow your socks off. Plenty of tears. Um, it was, uh, but I also had a lot of fun doing it. And I got to the end of the summer. I had no intentions of sticking around with the company. It was kind of like a wham, bam thing. Do the internship junior year, get my, my, my next engineering internship. And, you know, nobody, again, it's kind of funny, Sean, nobody was talking to me about coming back. And so I wasn't thinking about coming back. And all of a sudden, I started looking into some other internships. I'm like, hmm, this was hard, but like I actually did stuff. This stuff doesn't sound like doing stuff. And so I called up Taylor and said, uh, hey, Taylor, uh, can you tell me about this DM thing? And so I, he took me out to Sushi in Barrington and we, uh, I go, sweet. So it sounds like, you know, being a district manager, at least for me, was I get to do a bunch of the stuff. I liked doing like managing people and organization and project management and a little bit of sales. And I don't have to do a lot of the stuff I didn't like doing. He's like, nobody's ever really said it like that, but yeah, that, that was the sum up. So um, next minute I was ready to be a district manager. And so same thing. Um, I'd made good money. I'd had some fun. I'd had some challenges, but I stuck with the program my junior year because I wanted the best thing for me. It was never what's the easiest. It was never what's the most fun. It was what is going to develop that experience that, you know, is going to get me where I wanted to be. And again, a lot of tears, a lot of hard moments. But that year I did 
at the time set the record for the largest team ever run by a rookie DM. Um, awesome. it was like, so I want to come back to that experience in a second. I want to talk a little bit about the engineering stuff. So I work with a lot of young potential engineers, students that are majoring in engineering, want to major in engineering. I wanted to be an engineer for a little while in high school. And, you know, I, cause I liked math and science, you know, I like the STEM stuff. I like problem solving. Um, you know, I would, actually want to read a book about Leonardo da Vinci's inventions or something. Or I, I just went to Italy, my wife and I, we got a chance to go to the Galileo museum and I was fascinated. I thought this stuff is so cool. So what kind of got you interested in engineering and then ultimately what led to this alternative career path of business for you? It's a good one. Um, you know, I, I could tell some, a lot of it had to do with growing up, you know, um, just, you know, witnessing my dad and my grandfather, um, you know, they just, they, they seem to know a lot about things. They knew how to uh, figure things out, you know, the, the, the classic engineering word problem solve. If, if, if we needed something fixed, my dad might not have known how to do it, but he could figure it out. You know, um, if it, there, there was just a level of, of, you know, execution in, in life and outside of life that, uh, I just, I really admired. And I was never the the guy sitting there coding stuff necessarily, or trying to figure out how the universe worked. I wasn't like, you know, the most technical engineer of all time, but I just knew that there was, there was something about, um, the way an engineer is able to tackle problems that, you know, was super beneficial. And I, I watched my dad and my grandfather go through life and they were, they were always really, really, you know, desired upon. Um, my dad always told the story when he went to Northwestern for business school, I think there was like 50 or 52 people in their graduating class, 48 of them's undergraduate was business. Two of them's undergraduate was engineering. And my dad said that the two of them got every single phone call and every single um, interview. Doesn't mean they got hired all the time, right? Because you got to be who you are. But there, there's something about the combination of engineering and business that, you know, at the time, even growing up, I saw the the endless doors that it opened. I didn't know if I'd end up as a finance guy or a technical engineer or somewhere in between. I just knew that if you have, you know, and this this is a little bit of a called maybe a loophole in education. Well, if you have an engineer with a you know, master's in engineering, or you have a business with a master's in business, it's kind of like one degree. You're just, you're either really good at engineering or really good at business. Well, engineering is one of, if not the only undergraduates that you can go directly and get in a true MBA. So it's like, you get the best of both worlds. And, you know, there, there's business people who have incredible business skills, but they're missing tech. And as you know, in today's world, everything is moving towards tech. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of tech guys. This is probably more common um, that, that don't have the people skills. They're geniuses, um, but they don't have the people, the management, the recruiting. And I can tell you, even, you know, that's why I wanted to do it, watching my, my role models and my, my father and grandfather. But like, as I've seen it through my life, it, it couldn't be more true. It couldn't be more true in college works. It couldn't be more true in, at University of Illinois. It couldn't be true more true in every fortune 500 company that I interact with. And it's like, you know, an engineer that knows business or a business guy who knows engineering, that combination can do anything. They can do any type of role 
um, with a little bit of application. That would that would be what I would think. So, I love it. So, what happened at the engineering internship that you decided I don't like this? It was twofold. Um, it wasn't that I didn't like engineering, but but part of it was you know I was ignorant a little bit, and, and you know, being that I was 19 years old, and I'm like. I signed up to do U of I engineering. Well, Sean, I'd never actually taken an engineering course. You know, my first engineering course was realistically end of my sophomore year. It was like a true engineering course, not a prequal or a, you know, calc or physics. Right. And so how, how is, how is an engineering company going to let me do anything? So, you know, they, they assigned tasks that were in my wheelhouse you know, hey, we've got this, you know, wood shipping problem. Can you put together a one-page Microsoft Word document on how our shipping policy works? I did it, you know. Uh, hey, we've got an issue with uh, Bosch. All the uh, the relay harnesses are delayed. Can you let a few of our customers know via email, you know? Uh, then Polaris, they made snowmobile harnesses, fuel injectors. And they're like, hey, the shipment, it's failing. We're going to need you to glue a lot of them together. So... I was in an engineering company. I was, this was 2005, but, but they didn't have the time to teach me how to do this stuff. They didn't, I didn't know enough to be able to do anything worthwhile. So I made the most of it, but sitting at that desk, looking around at the people that I guess you could argue I could aspire to be right. The people who did have the 10 years of experience, I did not see a lot of you know, people who love their jobs. And I'm, I know there's engineers who absolutely love their jobs, but for what I was looking for, I just didn't, I didn't see the type of dynamic, challenging, people-oriented atmosphere that, that I wanted to be a part in the, the problem-solving and technical world. Very cool. So then you transitioned over to, I'm going to go do this business stuff and I want to be excellent at that. Why be excellent at those things? Why not just be excellent in your fraternity? or get an excellent GPA, uh, you know, what made you striving for more excellence? You know, uh, that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, in, in a lot of capacities at, at the time, um, I did strive to be excellent in those things as well. Um, you know, I, I was pledge class president of my fraternity. Um, I ran scholarship chair for the fraternity. Um, you know, uh, grades. I took them very seriously at the start of college. Um, <laughs> at the start of college. I understand what you're talking about. Put that in there, right? Um, and again, I, I do think how you do anything is how you do everything. So you can't pick and choose excellence, right? You can't decide that I'm going to be excellent in this one area of my life, um, but I'm going to, you know, just phone it in and the rest. I, I think creating, you know, good habits and how you approach anything is, is very, very important. Um, so the answer to that is yes, but then the, a little bit of the other answer is, is I grew in college, you do have to pick and choose a little bit. You know, you, you, can't, you can't do a hundred things and be excellent at all of them, um, at least from a work and, and hobbies and that things, you know, the way you treat people and the way you work, those all have to be excellent at all time. But there's only so much time in the day that, you know, as, as I grew and I, I recognized what was more important, I'd rather be if there's again, I'm just making up a number, but like, let's say there's eight things I want to do. I'd rather be excellent at all eight than do 14 things and be good at 14 things, you know? Yep. Love it. So 
want to talk a little bit about your career now. So I know you run a business, you run your own company um, that you and a co-founder started together. And I believe you met working together at CollegeWorks. Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, I was at a Halloween party and uh, ran into this guy and uh, we were playing some beer pong and uh, we were, you know, having a great night. And uh, he's like, man, I'm no showing that interview tomorrow. And I'm like, interview for what? It's like one in the morning, right? And he's like, yeah, there's there's this scam thing. And I don't think I'm going to show up to it. There's, you know, I'm like, all right. Again, I had worked there, right? So I, I I had a feeling where this was heading. It turns out he was had a final interview for College Works and he was going to no-show it. And I'm like, just you know, I'm the general manager there. It's it's pretty legit. And so he showed up for his interview. I worked together with him that year, and we've been friends and business partners ever since. Very cool. So the business you guys started together almost instantly, I think within the first few months, was a six-figure revenue business grew within a year or two to seven figures. And I think now is eight figure revenue business or approaching that. Um, so it's grown incredibly fast. And um, you don't talk about it a lot, but you do venture capital stuff as well. So you're not just a business owner, you're a business investor. Um, and I think there's a lot of people interested in that as well. So talk a bit about, you know, what things you need to do to be excellent in those areas and what kind of skills are required to do what you do. A lot of different, you know, ways I could go and love to share. The the, the biggest thing I, I I don't mean to you know double down on it, but a, a lot of it does stem from you know college works. It um, you know it, I I didn't realize at the time how valuable some of the practice I was getting. You know, in some capacities, college works is one of the harder businesses to run. Right, you you start over every year, and I think in doing some of that, you know, you, you push through some unique challenges. You know, you, you learn every aspect of business. And, you know, one of my good buddies, Austin, I remember he had, you know, been at College Works a few years and uh, he had done good and in some capacities, you know, had had a couple challenging years. And I remember when he moved on to do his own business stuff. And, you know, he told me, he goes, I just had the greatest internship and he was you know 24 25 26 at this time and he goes i just had the greatest internship and it wasn't even my freshman or sophomore year it was when i was out of college still working there and the things i've learned they're going to help me so much in my future and you know i i can't speak more truly to that you know having being able to just do every little bit of business over and over and over again in such a challenging and dynamic atmosphere you know, as I've entered, you know, my own business, uh, Kyle and I, my business partner, we hear this all the time. How do you guys do that? You guys are playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. We hear that all the time. And it's not because we're the smartest. It's not because we figured something out that everyone didn't. We just, we got a chance to practice it a lot really early on with great mentorship. And so I think in a lot of cases, you know, a lot of people I'm sure watching this watch Shark Tank and I've watched a lot of it. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. You, you see the people and it, it almost becomes a little bit cheesy or silly or cliche, if you will, when you hear, well, I had to fail to figure it out. I don't know if you have to fail to figure it out, but you have to practice it a lot. You know, you, you have to master your craft. We go all the way back to excellence. And it's like, you know, you, there's a lot of people who might be able to start a business and do really well to start, but to keep it going, 
you have to have mastered this craft. And so I think so much of it is just really getting a chance through the right teachers, mentors, and, and platform to practice really, really early on and, and figure it out. I think that's the biggest thing. And so what comes, what we think is so easy around us is so hard. I think that's one of the biggest things. The second thing I would say, construction, you know, we can talk more about the business if you want, but construction compared to a, and and I'm sure there's a lot of fields out there, but you know, the same way college works branch manager told your competition is not doing the things you're doing. It's blind. It's it's mind blowing to me to be, you know, dealing with people running multi-million dollar businesses. And I sit there and just scratch my head and go, wait, what, what are you doing? I do feel like in a lot of cases, again, not necessarily because of talent, but because of experience, we're, 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 we're 10 steps ahead of people. And there's, it's just for whatever reason, it's a, maybe it isn't the sexiest industry of all time. And that's why, you know, going into iBanking is so much sexier. And I you know, would have had fun doing that, I'm sure. But like, there just, there is so much opportunity for people who have business skills, communication skills, who think about construction so differently that's that's enabled us to you know grow at the speed we've grown. Those would kind of be my two thoughts on that. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. You talked a little bit about the the differences of what you learn as a district manager, having to teach and train other people. So, um, you know, it reminds me a lot of the book Talent is Overrated. I don't know if you've ever read this book, but it kind of is a follow up on the 10,000 hour rule. So the 10,000 hour rule, you know, practice something for 10,000 hours and you become a master at it. And this this author, Jeffrey Colvin, said it's not just 10,000 hours, like Malcolm Gladwell says, that's part of it. But you got to do deliberate practice. So deliberate practice is where you have a coach. Um, they're correcting mistakes and you're practicing all these little habits. So you're not just practicing the thing. Like we can go to the golf course and I can hit golf balls at the driving range all day long. I'll never get better at golf, but I've got to practice a specific shot. Uh, 60 yards out into the wind, with the wind, uphill, downhill, in the rough, from the fairway, from the sand, and take hundreds of shots with a coach making me do things differently. And part of deliberate practice is it has to be painful. In order for you to actually learn, you got to get outside your comfort zone and it hurts. So whether that's physical pain in a sport because you're stressing your body or it's mental pain because you're frustrated because you can't do it right, um, it's you have to actually go through pain. The pain is the sign that your body is 
learning something new or that your brain is wiring a new thing. And he kind of finishes the book with why don't we see, we can see this pattern in young people with music and sports and chess and all these different measurable things that people compete at and they want to be excellent at, but we can't in business. Why, why don't we know that, you know, the next Steve Jobs when they're seven years old or when they're, you know, 14, you know, Tiger Woods was on TV golfing when he was like two. So oh, yeah. what, what's going on in business? And he basically says at the end of the book that nobody gets to practice business. Nobody gives their kids tax returns to, to work on when they're five years old for fun. Nobody does, you know, I guess in DECA, maybe you could do some mock sales or, you know, there's some sales programs in colleges now where you can do some role plays, but nobody's actually really doing contact sport, real, actual, real employees, real customers in business until they're probably in their after college, mid to late 20s. 30s, 30s yeah. probably. And in many yeah. cases, they don't have a coach. They don't have actual routines or things to practice. So, you know, I think of, with college works, we both have that in common and that experience. You practice knocking on doors a thousand times. And then your coach, your district manager is telling you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, and you're making up new routines, new habits. Try this kind of close. Try this kind of rapport building strategy. Try this kind of objection handling approach in your sales or try this to motivate your employees. And you're trying new things day in and day out and practicing them hundreds of times. So you can't help but get good at it. Right. So I'm curious, you know, we know that about the internship, the district manager role, we just surveyed our alumni. You're probably not going to be surprised about these stats. We know the average alumni of the internship is making six figures within 10 years of college. We surveyed the average district manager alumni. So they've taken another step up, managed more people, trained the actual managers. Um, they're averaging 10 years outside of college, about 200 grand a year, a little over 220. So but double the average income. Why do you think the market values that so much? Why are companies paying those people so much? Or what do they have that somebody who's just done sales and management but hasn't trained it? What, what do they have that's better? Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I have some, you know, magic, you know, words about it. But to me, it's really, really simple. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can only accomplish so much as an individual, right? So it's, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the most talented, most smartest, most smartest, it probably isn't grammatically correct, but uh, the, the, the most talented people out there, no matter how hard they work, they still are only one person. So you look at the highest paid employees, because that's really what you are if you are just, you know, yourself, um, you can't make as big of an impact in a profession or society as, as you can with a team, right? And so, you know, that's why teams in, in companies and sports and everything, they're so valuable. Um, when you get a group together, well, somebody's got to lead that group. And so at the end of the day, that is the skill, going back to a little bit what you said about, there are plenty of places to practice sales. There's plenty of places to practice marketing, but how many places do you get to practice management? and um, fail at it. And it's still okay, right? You know, I used to tell people that the average person manages their first employee at 30 years old, um, not 22, not 24, 30. And um, why do they get to manage their first person? It's not because they went through management training. It's not because they passed some leadership test. 
it's because they're good at their job, right? The best salesperson graduates to sales manager, right? The best engineer graduates to project manager, right? Well, just because you graduated to that, uh, just because you graduated to that role, because you were the best at your task, the best at being employed, right? Well, where did you learn that? You know, and I used to tell people that all the time. And my wife, uh, she's been incredible at what she's done. Um, all of a sudden, at 30 years old, on the dot, it was pretty hilarious. She got promoted into management. And, you know, I watched her go through it. And she did an incredible job at it. But it was it was so funny watching so much of what I had preached for so many years um, happen. And so at the end of the day, management is the hardest thing to learn. It's the thing that most people can't go through a class to learn. It's the thing that most people don't have access to until they want it. And so if management is the hardest to learn and the most important, well, a district manager gets to try it at 20 or 21 years old. And so they, they jump skip, you know, everybody else's 10 year employee journey. And they go, I'm ready for that now. The second thing is I think when you manage people, there's hard parts and easy parts, but it's, it's fun, right? It's, it's fun to be able to move more dirt as a team than you can ever do by yourself. And so the district managers get to a learn it, get out of their comfort zone early on and, and really separate themselves in management. And they get a taste of it. And they go, for most people, they go, well, I need to stay on this journey. And so, you know, to your point, I, I don't remember getting an email for a survey, but, um, if I were to survey everybody I knew who DM'd, yeah, they're, they're all in the same boat. They didn't start management at 30. They started it at 24 because they had already gone through that crash course so early on in their career. Very cool. So uh, what surprised you about your career now and, and running a business that's different from, from what you expected? And maybe you had pretty good expectations going into it because of all this experience you'd done prior to starting your first business. But maybe prior to even getting into the business world, how is it different than what you expected? I'd say a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one, uh, and we talked a little bit about this, alluded to it, but even, even 15 years in, still realizing how much there is to learn, how much more there is to master. And maybe master is the better word than learn. Cause again, it's not really small stuff, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you never lose that hunger. You never lose that, you know, every, it's funny, Kyle and I sit down all the time and go, all right, how do we just, you know, we, we've, we've reached some levels of success that are pretty exciting. So, uh, yeah, what's different about the business world than what you expected? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things is, um, you know, at the end of the day, realizing that, you know, you're always hungry. I think, I think that's one of the biggest things that's been surprising to me. Um, and it doesn't mean you're necessarily hungry for every dollar or, you know, every award, but, you know, the second I start to feel any sense of, wow, we've hit some revenue targets that faster than I expected, or we've made more money than I expected. It's like, all right, so what's next? You know, it's like, it's almost addicting in a, in a, in a, in a way. And now again, consistently trying to add infrastructure and people and training so that you know, you can have lifestyle. I got two young kids and, you know, you never get, you know, you want those years to be very important. So finding balance, but like, you know, realizing that, you know, I, I remember when my dad was, you know, in the sixties, like, I don't 
really want to retire. I might not want to work 60 hours a week. And I'm like, dad, you're crazy. I just want to hunt and fish all the time. You know, I can't wait to retire early. It's like, I, I get it a little bit, you know, um, the, the hunger doesn't go away. It, it almost, you almost get hungrier, you know, the more you make it. And so that was one thing I, I never expected is, is realizing that, you know, I just figured, all right, put in a couple solid years, sit back, go play golf. Right. And, you know, you can do that. I'd have a nice life, but the hunger, um, the, the competitiveness, the desire to uh, be excellent, uh, if we're going to go full circle there. So that was one of the things I think that's, that's really surprised me. Um, uh, the second thing, how small the world it is. You know, I'm in one industry and I just, everywhere I go, I run into people you know, six degrees of separation, call it, but just in a, in a completely different facet than it was in my early twenties or in college where it was social, right? Now it's success-based, excellence-based. And, you know, just the other day I'm, I'm um, in the Northwoods having some wine with a guy and he's part of a private equity fund that is potentially raising money for a guy I used to do business with at college. And it's like, wait, are you in these photos of when this company started? I'm like, well, yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's crazy how, you know, success and excellence, they, they fuel each other and the opportunities that exist with, with, with every challenge and every success that open it up. It's like, I, I, things that I didn't think were possible maybe 10, 15 years ago, I just wanted to make it, you know? And now it's like, it, it's crazy how much more opportunity, opportunity creates more opportunity, you know, those would probably be two of my big ones. Love it. And you've done some investing in some other startups. Is there anything specific you look for that helps you identify a good opportunity or what somebody else that you think will be excellent? I'm not going to say I have the entire side of uh, venture capitalism or private equity figured out. Um, call it more of a hobby, if you will. But uh, the biggest thing I've learned, invest in people, don't invest in ideas. The best idea with a mediocre operator will never turn into anything. And the mediocre idea with the A player uh, executor or operator is going to turn into something. It might morph, it might merge, it might, uh, you know, turn into a completely different business. But A players don't grow on trees. And if you've got the ability to invest in A players, uh, A players are always going to figure out a way to be excellent, you know, and B players and C players are going to figure out a way to screw it up. So um, I, I look less at the idea and I look more at the operator. I look more at the people in charge and go, is this somebody that I believe is going to be successful? And it's, it's no different than I remember when I recruited at CollegeWorks. We weren't hiring professional business people to run professional businesses. I was hiring the person who was a top student, a top athlete. Good people figure out a way to be good at whatever they do. And so in investing, my biggest thing when it comes to small startups and venture capitalism who are you investing in? And so many people get so excited about the idea and the size of it and the market size and how many sales they've done. And it's like, no, who are you investing in? They're going to figure it out one way or the other. So with that, you're looking for people, are you looking at their track record to say, wow, they, they are a high achiever in other areas of life and not just looking at their business plan? Absolutely. Now, I do think when it comes um, to business in a lot of cases, like you and I have talked about, I don't necessarily want to invest in somebody's first try at business. You know, that there, there, there are people, you know, like the, the 
the half dozen who are billionaires, Zuckerberg and Jobs and these guys, they're literal geniuses. You know, if I could go invest in Elon Musk, we, we, we do that all day long, right? But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I in a lot of cases, I, I want to invest in somebody who, who has succeeded in business. Um, and it doesn't have to be in the same industry. It doesn't have to be the same type. But, but there's something about the same way you and I have been talking about here the last half hour. Like, I want somebody who's tested. I want somebody who has had the ups, the downs, the challenges where just like I was telling you, for me, a lot of the stuff that, you know, used to seem challenging now comes naturally and people go, wait, what are you doing? That that's the type of people I want, even if it's something they've never been involved in before, because they're going to figure it out one way or another, you know? So do you have any uh, tips for our young listeners and uh, what would you, they should do in their twenties to get on that track or a particular habit routine that's going to help them develop excellence in their life? The, the, the biggest thing um, I will say um, something that, you know, I lived a lot by because um, again, a lot, a lot of people listen, they're, they're going through the college works program or have just gone through the college works program. It's like, you know, at, at the end of the day, you don't, you don't realize how much you're learning in college works until you're way past it. And I know how hard it is. I know it's hard to give up on parties. I had a ton of fun in college now, one of the phrases I used to, you know, see people get bogged down by, we'd be at a alumni event and a lot of alumni would come from, you know, their, you know, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, 60 year olds would come back to the fraternity and they'd look at all the guys and be like, guys, enjoy this. These are the best years of your life. And for whatever reason, I feel differently about that. I know that might sound so crazy um, because college was some of the most fun years I've ever had. Um, but I think in so many cases, um, in your early twenties, a lot of what college is and why it's so memorable is you're figuring out who you are, you know, you're, you're finding your independence, you're doing things for the first time. And, you know, one of the phrases I've, I've always enjoyed, cause I, I got some flack from my girlfriend at the time who's my wife now, like you're working too hard and I can't believe you missed this. And, you know, my, my goal was always, I don't want four years of fun. I want 80 years of fun. And you know, in a lot of cases, um, the biggest thing, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now and uh, I have a lot of fun. You know, I run a business. I was golfing at Butler this morning and I was at my lake house the last two weekends. And, you know, I have a lot of fun um, going on tuna boat next week with a bunch of the CWP alum. But uh, so I have a lot of fun. I work really hard, too. But, you know, at the end of the day, I do think so much of your early 20s in college works or without, have some fun. Those are, those are some of the most important years. But you can't get those years back. And I remember Taylor used to do this thing where you talk about that jump start you get ahead and how you, you can never catch up. It's like starting a 401k or a Roth IRA when you're 20 versus 30. Those, those 10 years might not seem like a big deal. They're everything. You can never get that back. And so in a lot of cases, I don't believe I work harder or are more talented than a lot of my friends who are the same age as me. I think the biggest reason I am where I am and why it's going to continue to hopefully go well, knock on wood, is that jump start I got. And, you know, so my best advice, going back to your question, uh, don't waste those couple years. They are the most important years towards your success, towards your excellence, and you cannot get those back. And I think what's crazy is if you think about kind of the whole way I just put it, 95% of college students do the exact opposite. They invest that extra 10% of their 20s into fun. 
And then they're playing catch up for the next 80 years. And I put that extra 10% into excellence, training, development, or path. And the rest has been easy. And so don't miss out on that opportunity you have when, you know, you think that, you know, you're stressed because you got a test and you got a fraternity event, you got a sales thing and you got, and you're like, oh my God, I can't do it all. I, I, I can't do more than just be a student or have an entry level job or even a tough job out of school. Well, guess what? Life doesn't get easier. It gets harder, right? Mortgage, kids, all this stuff. So it's like, take advantage of the years where your biggest worry is failure, stress, anxiety, and set yourself up during those years so that you can coast the next 80. That would be my advice. I love it, man. It's just compound investing, right? You compound invest in the stock market. And if it grows by 8% a year, that first five years from 20 to 25 or 10 years from 20 to 30 makes all the difference. So the business world, you gain that experience. So maybe those people that are now, you know, 30 in their first management role, they'll eventually get there. They'll eventually understand what you understand about how to lead teams and how to manage people and how to hire the right people and how to bet on really good people and not just ideas. And they'll figure those things out, but they're going to be about 15 years behind you. And you'll have had a chance to double a couple more times by then. So they never catch up. Yep. I couldn't agree more, Sean. I love it. So get started on excellence early. Any other last comments or tips you have for the audience, Tom? I'm, I'm, I'm going to end on that note. I like that one. So Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it was a blast catching up with you and talking and um, bummed to miss out on Tuna Boat. I don't know why I never just went on that trip with you. I, you know, maybe add me to the invite and I can continue to ignore it for a few more years. And at some point I'll RSVP. There's a lot of talk, but I, you know, I, I don't know if you heard Brent's going, you should probably just stack up and call me after this and book a flight. That's how Manny went on his first trip. And uh, we're going to be catching limits of uh, best sushi you've ever had in your life. So you should probably just make it happen. We'll just figure that out. All right, Tom, it was great talking to you, man. I will talk to you again soon. Have a great one, Sean. See you, man. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.